Chapter Twelve of The Silver Princess in Oz by Ruth Plummy Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve Arrival at the Castle of the Red Jinn. The further they traveled into Ev, the more interesting the country became to Planetty and Thun. Now wild orange and lemon trees added their spicy tang to the salty air, waving palms edged the sandy roadway, and after traversing a grove of lordly coconut trees, the four suddenly found themselves facing the great green rolling nonestic. A spring, caroled Planetty, galloping Thun down to the water's edge. Oh, never have I seen such a netiful spring. Not a spring, princess, an ocean, corrected Kabumpo, ambling good-naturedly after Thun. This is a salt, salt sea, full of ships, sailors, shells, crabs, islands, fish, and fishermen. And will I see all of them? Slipping from Thun's back, Planetty waded out a little way, hopping gleefully over the edges of the smaller waves. Sometime, promised Randy, dismounting hastily to keep her from venturing too far. Look over your shoulder, Nettie, he urged, drawing her back toward shore. And then tell me what you think. Explaining this gay, wide, and wonderful world to the little princess of another planet, Randy found more fun than anything he had ever done or imagined. Tense with expectation, he and Kabumpo watched as Planetti gazed off to the right. Why, tis a high, high hill of red that glitters. Uh, or what? What is it? Planetti whirled Thun round so he could see too. It's a castle, Malaz, Kabumpo swaggered down the beach, as if he alone were responsible for all the splendor and magnificence. There you see the imperial palace of the Wizard of Ev, built from turret to cellar of finest red glass studded with rubies, and there, this night, we will be suitably entertained by Jinnicky himself. The inside's even better than the outside, Randy whispered in Planetty's ear, as she tapped out this astonishing news to the Thunder Colt. Come on, come on, it's not more than a mile, and we can go straight along the edge of the seashore. Say, weren't we lucky not to run into Gludwig? Pulling himself up on Kabumpo's back, Randy spoke the words softly. It would have been too bad to have the first person outside of ourselves that Planetti met turn out a villain. I believe that sign was a joke. "'Well, everything seems all right so far,' admitted the elegant elephant guardedly. "'But keep your eyes open, my boy, keep your eyes open. Is that a welcome committee marching along the beach, or is it an army?' "'They're still too far away to tell.' answered Randy. Looks to me like all Jinnicky's blacks. I can see their baggy red trousers and turbans. Yes, but what's that gleaming in the sunlight? demanded Kabumpo, curling up his trunk uneasily. Only their scimitars, Randy said, standing up to have a better view. Each man is carrying a scimitar over his shoulder. 
But that's perfectly all right. They're probably parading for our benefit. Hmm. Sometimes things are not what they scimitar, sniffed Kabumpo, snapping his eyes suspiciously. But Randy, paying no attention to the elegant elephant's remark, was feeling round in the net bags for Chilliwalla's band box, and next moment the lively strains of a military march filled the air. Swinging along in time to the music, Kabumpo peered sharply at the oncoming host for signs of Ali Babble or Ginger, the slave of the bell, or some of Jinnicky's other old and trusted counselors. But in all that great throng there was no one familiar face, and because he was beginning to feel more than a bit worried, Kabumpo lifted his feet higher and higher. "'Everything looks black, very black.' he muttered dubiously. "'Why not?' cried Randy, waving his arms like a bandmaster. "'They're all as black as the ace of spades. Mind you, Planetty, it takes all these black men to take care of Jinnicky and his castle.' "'And will they take care of us?' Planetty eyed the marchers with positive amazement and alarm. "'So many!' she murmured in a hushed voice. So black! I thought everyone down here would be like you and Bumpo. <laughs> I know, Randy told her complacently. Everyone is liable to be different. I believe I'll toss out some of Chilliwalla's boxes. Visitors should come bearing presents, you know. Hastily Randy began pulling out boxes of candy, boxes of cigarettes, beads, cigars, and whole suits of clothing to dazzle Jinnicky's subjects. But when the leader of the procession came within ten feet of the travelers, he threw back his head and emitted such a blood-curdling howl Randy's hair rose on his head and as the rest of the blacks, brandishing scimitars and yelling threats and imprecations, came leaping toward them, the desperate young king began hurling down boxes as if they were bombs. He caught the headman on the chin with the bandbox, but while it stopped the music it did not stop the gigantic Evian from slashing at Thun. As his scimitar fell, Kabumpo gave a trumpet that felled the whole front rank of the enemy, and, snatching up the villain in his trunk, he hurled him back among his men. "'Is this taking care of us?' shuddered Planetty, clasping her arms round the neck of the plunging Thunderkolt. "'Oh, no! My goodness, no! Is Thun hurt? Quick, Kabumpo!' screamed Randy, as a second scimitar slashed down on Thun's flank. Then he managed to breathe again, for the razor-sharp weapon glanced harmlessly off the metal coat of Planetti's coal-black charger. The wielder of the scimitar, however, did not escape so easily, for a hot blast from Thun's nostrils sent him reeling backward. "'That's it! Give it to them! Give it to them!' shouted Randy, forgetting in his excitement that Thun could not hear, and he himself hurled Chilliwalla's boxes hard and viciously, and one after the other. As for Kabumpo, every time he raised his trunk there was a black man in it, and as fast as they came he slung them over his shoulder. But it was Planetti who really turned the tide of battle. 
while Randy, who had exhausted his supply of boxes, was digging desperately in Kabumpo's pockets for some more missiles, he heard a perfect chorus of terrified screeches. Popping up with an umbrella and an alarm clock, he saw the princess of another planet standing erect on the galloping colt's back, calmly and precisely casting her staff at the foe. Each time the staff struck, the victim, in whatever attitude he happened to be, was frozen into a motionless metal figure. After each stroke, the staff returned to Planetti's hand. Yah, yah, ma, master! wailed the frantic blacks who were still able to move, and tumbling over one another in their effort to escape, they fled wildly back to the red castle, leaving behind sixty of their vanquished brethren. "'Yo, yo, you'll be sorry for this!' shouted the headman, tearing off his turban and waving it as he ran. "'So will you!' bellowed Kabumpo fiercely. "'Just wait till Jinnicky hears about this. How dare you treat his visitors in this violent, wicked fashion!' "'Jinnicky, Jinnicky!' jeered the headsman as Planetti aimed her staff threateningly at his back. Jinnicky is at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it, groaned the elegant elephant, as the headman reached the palace and skittered wildly up the glass steps. I knew something was wrong the moment I saw those scimitars. Jinnicky gone? Jinnicky at the bottom of the sea? Why, I just can't believe it. Randy glancing over his shoulder at the tumbling nonestic, looked almost ready to cry. Then, putting back his shoulders, he declared fiercely, "'Well, I'm not going off and leave this old pirate in Jinnicky's castle, are you? It must be Gludwig's doing all this. Let's go inside and throw him out of there. We have lots of help now. Thun's a regular flamethrower and Planetti's worth a whole army. And best of all, nothing can hurt them. Why didn't you tell me you had a magic staff? Randy looked admiringly down at the resolute little princess at his side. Why, with that staff we can conquer anybody. Is that what you call the magic? Planetti regarded her staff with new interest. It certainly is, panted Kabumpo fanning himself with a handy palm-leaf. And we're mighty sorry to have gotten you into all this danger and trouble, my dear. Looks as if we had a war on our hands instead of a pleasant vacation. Oh, that! It's nothing, nothing! Planetti shrugged her shoulders eloquently. On our planet we too have the bad beasts and nothers, and when they try to hit or bite us we just subdue them with our voral staffs. Hm, so I see. Kabumpo, still fanning himself, looked thoughtfully at Gludwig's petrified warriors. There must be a goodly bit of statuary on your planet, molass. Very many, answered Planetti soberly, polishing her staff on the end of her cape. With a slight shudder, the elegant elephant turned from the fallen slaves, resolving then and there never to offend this pretty but powerful little metal maiden. "'Well, have these scoundrels dispersed and gone for good?' inquired Thun, 
sending up his question in a cloud of black smoke. Restively pawing the ground, the thundercoat looked from one to the other, waiting for someone to enlighten him. "'Tell him they're gone, but for nobody's good,' wheezed Kabumpo, who was still out of breath from the violence of the combat. "'Tell him Gludwig the Glubrious has destroyed the Wizard of Ev, and that we are now going into the castle to continue the battle.' "'But where shall we start?' sighed Randy, staring despondently up at the gay red palace where he and Kabumpo had been so royally entertained on their last visit. "'We'll start at the bottom of these steps,' announced Kabumpo grimly, "'and mount on up to the top.' Then we'll burst into the presence of this wretched wart and fling him out of the window. But that won't help Jinnicky if he's at the bottom of the sea, mourned Randy, trying to smile at Planetty, who was busy tapping off instructions to Thun. Ha! But don't forget, Jinnicky's a wizard, sniffed Kabumpo, pulling in his belt a few inches, and nobody can keep a good wizard down. Besides, Kabumpo dragged his robe a bit to the left and straightened his headpiece. Once inside that castle, we can use some of the Red Jinn's own magic to help him. Magic? Why, of course, I'd forgotten about that. Randy's face cleared and brightened, and seeing Planetty and Thun so eager and unafraid beside him, he girded on his sword and, standing upright on Kabumpo's back, gave the signal to start. As they trod up the hundred red glass steps, they could hear windows and doors slamming, the patter of running feet, and the tinkle of the hundred glass chimes in the tower. But step by step, and without a pause, Thun and Kabumpo mounted to the top. Beware, beware, Gludwig the Glubrious, here march Kabumpty and Thun, Slandy and Planetty, princess of another planet, friends, equals, and warriors. The Thundercolt's flaming message, floating like a battle emblem in the air, alarmed the wicked occupant of Jinnicky's castle even more than the invaders themselves. But still confident of his power to vanquish all comers, he waited in evil anticipation for the moment when they would force their way into his presence. Did they imagine because they had frightened a company of foolish slaves they could frighten him? Ha! Ha! Crouched on the Red Jinn's throne and laughing mirthlessly, Gludwig rubbed his long hands up and down his skinny knees. End of chapter 12